Hello and welcome to Leviathan News. Today is June 7th, 2023. And the big story of the day is still Binance and Coinbase. We talked at length yesterday with Alex Golubitsky about the potential impact of these two cases brought by the SEC. And in response, we saw uh, several people, including Coinbase and Binance, come out with, uh, I guess, a response or also responding to the sec uh so uh, Br brian armstrong came out and uh, made a statement on twitter after the uh after the thing and he said that uh there's three things that everyone should remember the sec reviewed our business and allowed coinbase to become a public company in 2021 uh second he said that there is no path to come in and register they've tried repeatedly uh, so we don't list securities, and he rejects the vast majority of assets that they review. Uh, third, the SEC and CTFC have made conflicting statements and don't even agree on what is a security and what is a commodity. And fourth, uh, he said, this is why U.S. Congress is introducing new legislation to fix the situation, and the rest of the world is moving to put clear rules in place to support this technology. So he continues saying, instead of publishing a clear rule book, the SEC has taken a regulation by enforcement approach that is harming America, and uh, we need to avail ourselves in the courts. Uh, and he said that the Coinbase suit is obviously very different from the others out there in speaking to Binance. <laughs> and the complaint against us is exclusively focused on what or is what what is or is not a security, not some misuse of customer funds or some other impropriety that took place like in the case of Binance. So he wants to get this job done and continue building the crypto industry inside the United States. I mean, good response, like pretty vanilla, pretty like <laughs> what comes out of like the textbook of public relations. Um, can't like, you know, I, I do, I do think it's like really important and correct to like draw a huge, huge distinction between Coinbase and Binance and that like, yes, both are dealing with the same questions about securities, <laughs> but Coinbase is like a publicly traded, like above board company that put, publishes financial reports and like has officers and lawyers and like all this stuff. And Binance use customer funds to buy a yacht. So like... <laughs> Also, um, Binance, like uh, CZ has been like on a warpath on Twitter, like <laughs> issuing statements that, you know, any ordinary lawyer would advise you to delete those and never publish again. But uh, <laughs> it seems to be in jest. I saw a poll that he posted yesterday asking his followers who they trusted more, Binance or the SEC. Yeah, look, like I... I am like a huge, huge fan of CZ. Like I, I really believe that he's a believer and like he's a fighter and like he is really responsible for getting the industry to this far. That being said, like every time I see someone react like this, I mean, like this is out of SBF's playbook for sure. Just like get on Twitter, go offensive, Doquan, like this is the same thing. And uh, I just, I don't like the parallels. Yeah. I, I mean, it's going to be an interesting how this plays out. Uh, I've seen a lot of commentary that probably DOJ charges are coming against both Binance and CZ and potentially other people with inside of Binance based on what's already happened. Uh, you know, we know that Binance has been embroiled in a billion dollar OFAC issue with, you know, them funneling money in or allowing money to be funneled into Iran. Uh, there's also questions of, um, 
like this compliance stuff. And yeah, so the, the I think this is just the beginning with this SEC suit. Yeah, it is. I, I guess we should have waited like half an hour to see what today's lawsuit is. But um, I just like, I am curious to see if we go more in the direction of like every exchange or every person with a footprint that we can slap a lawsuit on gets it. Or if this is like, we're going to pile on the big guys. I mean, this is going to be going on for years is the funny thing. This is going to go well past Gensler and probably even the next chairman, uh, chairperson, whoever that happens to be. So, like, buckle up. This is going to be a long time before we get any resolution. Yeah, but, I mean, come on. We've been waiting since 2010. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to be but digging... No, yeah, I'm not interested uh, in it. You know, uh, they can feel we're coming. We're actually an industry, another bunch of uh, total weirdos, at least... Uh, some of the people uh, in the space. So I think, uh, like Garrett says, it's going to be very long, but, uh, you know, the the gear has shifted. We're yeah. on the next level. Yeah, actually, I, we were going to save this towards the end, but one of my favorite posts, actually, and uh, I don't know who of you posted this, was from Nick Carter, who wrote a, a very long Twitter thread, not even a thread, but just a Twitter post about how several people in the if you want to call it bitcoin maximalist community have have come out and essentially cheered on the sec going after both coinbase and binance uh most notably jack came out yesterday and just posted either the security <laughs> and you know the the laser-eyed maxi crowd is essentially cheering uh in what nick calls their their short all of crypto while being like only mildly long Bitcoin. And the post is really good. It's like yeah. definitely worth a read because um, he like draws this like really powerful um, analogy to religion and like how he talks about how like all of the Bitcoin maxis are, you know, tithing to Bitcoin and like they're suffering, but know that salvation is on the way. And it, it's a good read. And I think like one of the key takeaways, and I just have to take Nick Carter's word for it because. One, I wasn't here, and two, I don't give a shit. <laughs> but the um, like all of this like laser eye stuff is from Bitcoiners who have joined like relatively recently, like in the 2020s. Um, and I think that that's like an important thing to like know and think about and understand, like when you're watching it from afar. Um, but I also think that's like a little bit whitewashing because the reality is is that like anybody who is like willing to look at Ethereum like has had eight years to do it. <laughs> And so, like, I, I don't know. I just, uh, I, I, well, I, th I think the post is important because it highlights the cultish aspects of. of oh, no, for sure. I'm yeah. just saying that, like, it might not be fair to be like, we're good guys. It's only the new people that are culty. <laughs> no, but it, it's, it's pretty much everybody that that's like, you don't have to be new or old. I think that the new people were susceptible to it because of the influencers who came in at the time. I think that's what Nick's trying to get across, right? That's fair. That yeah. You look at, you look at who came around in this last cycle. It was Michael Saylor. It was other people who were like all, all on this, you know, stock to flow, whatever yeah. sort of thing. Right. Yeah. Everything, everything that kind of like was the bull catalyst or memes for the previous cycle uh, from the run, from the, the lows of, of 2020 yeah. right yeah and we have it in all sorts of communities right like we don't we take bitcoin more seriously because it's bitcoin but like this is the same shit as cardano this is the same shit as um Pulse kind Street. of but there's you know there was the schism that happened back when bitcoin cash split off 
And that solidified a lot of people into this, you know, Bitcoin, but not crypto phase where the, the idea, like early Bitcoiners were much more open to a lot of the stuff that they're talking about now, right? Of maybe building NFTs and having- I mean, the real schism was with Ethereum. Like Vitalik could, like the original- <laughs> Like we could have just upgraded Bitcoin to be Turing complete, but <laughs> no, no, no. I don't think it was. It, it wasn't with Ethereum, or at least not from my recollection. It was. It was Bitcoin Cash, and it was a split between you know big blocks, small blocks. Because I don't think. I don't and you think... should go back and look at that time. Like that, there was huge wars about like Bitcoin should be pure. No, it should be computing. Like, and that's why like Vitalik and Gavin Wood and all these people like left Bitcoin to start Ethereum. Yeah, but the but the but the cultish nature of of Bitcoin hadn't uh, ossified yet uh, to that point. It was really it was really that 2017 split uh, where you know you had a core group of quote unquote Bitcoiners who split off and and started their whole Bitcoin Cash thing, and th and that's where the real ossification began. Because like a lot of the talent left, sure, a lot of the talent left when Gavin Wood and Vitalik went to go start Ethereum, right? But the the closed-mindedness and the the cultish behavior that Nick talks about in his post really started in that 2017 area as a way to like I, I think they were probably thinking they were protecting the idea right and giving it more and more reverence at that point. Protecting their bags. Yeah, it is protecting their bags, but there is more that goes into it. I mean, like the idea that there's this Genesis event and that salvation is coming, and so long as you like, like you said, like tithe into Bitcoin. Um, it's, it's a little strange, right? And it's, it's, you know, up there with the gold bugs and potentially even like silver bugs, the, the preppers and whatever. They definitely you know, have a very weird, uh, vibe as a community I and think not one really, thing... uh, and, and not a lot of rational reasoning, uh, at least there. And, uh, to be honest, I think that uh, newcomers who come to crypto these days, uh, like I can't even, uh, begin to explain to someone, uh, about uh, like why should you go into the Bitcoin uh, realm when you can go into the Ethereum realm? I, I can't find one good reason. If someone asks me, personally. no, I mean, look, it's there, it's there. I mean, Bitcoin's much more widespread. I think the the primary issue here is that you know when you look at who these people are, there's a deep distrust for like social systems and the idea of a well functioning monetary system uh, and what gets lost is that, sure, the dollar is not going to be perfect, but at least we have a structure around it, like a, a social structure, which can make and implement changes based on uh, inputs from the, the public, right? So if there's enough support for something, uh, it will get added into monetary policy. And, and in theory, we should have a uh, either a bureaucratic system or a group of elected officials who are controlling a bureaucracy who can determine what happens with the, the money supply. And this, this, I think, is lost on a lot of those Bitcoiners who are like, you know, the fiat system is broken and we're going towards hyperinflation. We're all going to be like, you know, your $1 today is only going to be worth like ten, one cent tomorrow sort of thing. Just buy Bitcoin and we'll all have our citadels in the future. It's... I would like not the the part of why they want it is because they already got the bag. So mm -hmm. I do think there's a, there's a there's a strong element of bag holding uh, in I would entrench there as well. What were you saying, uh, Garrett? 
I wouldn't knock the culture aspect. I think if you talk to anyone in Silicon Valley who's done a startup, one of the whether it's successful or failure, one of the things they're going to tell you after the fact is they didn't realize how important culture was mm -hmm. to building their entire like enterprise or their entire project. Um, so I think Bitcoiners like have been nailing this cultural aspect for several years. Ethereum's got a culture too, but it's not nearly as strong as the laser eyes and whatnot that you see out of Bitcoiners. I well, don't I, agree, actually. I, I rarely disagree with you, Garrett, but I think that culture-wise, uh, Ethereum has a whole other level of, uh, like, uh, a vast culture of actually innovating and doing stuff and changing the financial uh, system by actual code and not by only the narrative. Uh, to me, personally, I, I, I get Bitcoin as the, as the proof of concept that started the whole space and it, it will never uh, change. But, uh, but it will it change. Is the new money. It's the new right Yeah, but this is the difference. This is the difference. I think that the between like the maximalists and the, the Ethereum people is that the Ethereum people are like, oh, okay, we're building a system. It's not perfect. If we need to switch from proof of work to proof of stake because it's a better system, we'll do that. We'll change things. We we can change whatever we need to, and iterate and iterate and iterate. And we're just gonna like keep on uh, working towards this like progress of the system. While the maximalists have been more like. The system is what it is. We're ossifying it. We don't need any more changes. It's perfect as it is. It was created in the this one true moment by Satoshi, who gave his like life so that we could have this. <laughs> yeah, God rest his holy soul. And but I, look, it's just it's two different types of cultures, and it, it's just important to take note. If you're cheering for the death of of the rest of crypto, then you're probably just you're, you need to take a deeper look inside yourself. We'll 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 just keep it at that. I mean, because we've got bigger news to talk about. Um, one thing that I'm excited about as a uh, stablecoin maximalist is uh, the launch of Aves Go, which the proposal came out yesterday. Uh, it was put up on the Ave boards, and uh, which means that it should be launched imminently. You know, it'd be interesting if, like, when all said and done, like the way this plays out is that, like, Ave just becomes what Maker was supposed to be, and when <laughs> well, Maker just like continues to like evolve into this like super weird hybrid off-chain model. Um. I don't know. It's just like I'm glad we're here. It's just like interesting. Um, like, what's the difference between Ave and Maker? Again, not counting this Treasury bill nonsense. Well, uh, according to one of the Ave devs, uh, forked code is is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Ave Ave will be deploying. They're going to have a 1.5 percent borrow rate, and initially there's going to be a a cap on the go supply of 100 million dollars. Ah, that's the first cap, a hundred million. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I think uh, Go is going to be very exciting in a way. I think it's been worked on and talked about oh, uh, so for so long. And I remember since very early, early uh, very early on, when I uh, started uh, reading about uh, Stani and his uh, background as a lawyer, that I'm sure he has quite a very quite a very interesting uh, angle to the whole space. Uh, from the whole uh, institutional uh, side of things. I remember that Ave got like uh, an electric uh, banking license back in 2020. I, I don't know if you guys remember uh, anything like that. 
so for sure it will be interesting to see just how much uh, traction uh, they get and how quickly they reach the 100 million cap i'm definitely excited to see how go go how go goes mm-hmm. yeah i'm sure it'll mint out instantly yeah. i mean it's Aave. Yeah. they've got like how many billions like 100 million is like interest <laughs> So it's it's interesting that they're using a stable rate. You know, it really makes sense for all of these money markets to issue their own stable coin because when you have like USDC or USDT that is being borrowed instead of your own stable coin, you're actually like losing out to to those stable coins. Um, so it's it's in their interest to get this thing out. Very happy for them, and we're gonna have to have uh, Mark back on to to come yeah. and chat with us once it launches. The the thing I'm like definitely curious and excited about is to see like what what it's easy to say like we're going to do a stable coin and it's ave and so like obviously like <laughs> it's going to instantly mint out and everyone's going to be happy with it and fine but like i hope they don't just say like here's our stable coin now go use it i hope they have like a sophisticated you know plan of like growing tvl making sure that the stable coin is used for something like having like a venue for it whether it's like in a curve pool um that they're bribing or you know some other thing i just i hope um that we're entering the, this era of stablecoin v2 where like launching a stablecoin is not enough anymore you have to launch a stablecoin with a purpose yeah so the the big things that are integrated with the go stablecoin is that uh it can be used in isolation mode uh, so that you can control your risk mm-hmm. and then also it will be uh, firmly integrated with ave's e-mode that adds a, a stabilizing factor during market volatility yeah and and that's that's that is a cool thing. So like e mode, um, someone correct me on this later, but it just basically like allows you to loop the um, like same borrowing transaction over and over, and that's like particularly interesting if your your collateral is gaining yield. And so like today, how that works is like Ave needs to go source USDC for you to borrow so that you can buy more wrap staked ETH so that they can like do the loop over and over. But if they're able to mint their own money. Um, then like not only is it like just much more efficient, um, they don't need to worry about sourcing USDC. They don't need to be paying um, collateral depositors, but like they can also generate fees from it. So it like make it, it, we're, we're seeing this on every single DeFi protocol that like because every fee is collapsing to zero, like the only way to win is vertical integration. And so um, just like Curve did Curve USD and borrowing and, there are decks and this, this, like, I, you know, this is what we see with Ave. Yeah. Any, any major protocol with hundreds of millions or billions of dollars of assets, like definitely has to have vertical integration because if you don't, you're just giving up fees to somebody else. Who's... Well, the problem is all the fees are zero essentially, <laughs> you know? And so like the only way to conceivably make money long-term is to like capture all, capture everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's what we see with Ave and Frax and Maker Curve and Curve, um, yeah. like even Maker, right? Like with the if you take a step back, like Maker has their stablecoin. The PSM is a DEX. It's a borrowing and lending platform. Like it's all vertically integrated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and uh, we'll continue to see more of it. So, uh, and also in stablecoin news, uh, we talked about MIM and their OF NFT Omnichain NFT. Uh, or sorry, Omnichain Fungible Token, OFT, uh, was launched a little while back. Uh, and now they've deployed across seven different chains. And that is using Stargate. So uh, this is actually really cool. So they've gone to Polygon, Avalanche, Arbitrum, Optimism, uh, 
BNB, Phantom, and Ethereum. And I think they're the first, but they won't be the last to be integrated into this Omni stable. Yeah, I mean, I like I really, really think that um, the, like the cool thing about Ethereum is not in like financialization and not in like DeFi or NFTs or anything that like we've seen yet. Like the the innovation here is about distributed computing and um, like why I'm, when I see something like this MIM Omnichain stuff, like it is like it's the first glimpse into the future where we have these distributed computing systems that are like integrated and like I can totally imagine depositing into Abracadabra on Arbitrum so that I can mint MIM on um, Avalanche in order to hit like a, uh, the GLP vault there's in that, you know, like. It's just we last two years we've been talking about like the roll up focus roadmap and like all these things that are coming down the line. But like, I don't know, like, I guess bear markets for builders, right? Like, it's incredible to see like the first tentacles, Leviathan, like the first like things of um, what this future looks like. And then also, uh, we talked about uh, the Arbitrum airdrop that happened a while back. Yesterday, they distributed another 4 million ARB to DAOs in the Arbitrum ecosystem. Was this like a surprise or this is part of what we knew that DAOs were getting? Yeah, I think it was. Uh, well, let me just check here. Um, People are just hungry for more airdrops. Yeah, hungry for more airdrops. <laughs> it's a bear market. We got to eat. Well, what I'm very, because remember uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had a conversation about how one of the DAOs decided to sell their airdrop, I think for stables or something, but mm -hmm. we just had the conversation about what, what does it mean to be a good partner when you receive an airdrop? And I would be fascinated to see if anybody, if protocols decisions with their original airdrop affected what they get in subsequent rounds. I mean, that would be great, but I don't think yeah. that's the case. Yeah, well, well, I guess like it opens the like the moral question of like, do you think it should or shouldn't? Yeah, I mean, I just think that those those tokens should probably be sent to them and have like a 10 year lock or something <laughs> <laughs> like oh, or, or they can take the money and actually use it to uh, do stuff with the project uh, as, ex as extra budget. I, I don't think it uh, necessarily contradicts, you know, if they get our allocation and it's what it's well, OK, just like to make it the most clear, like moral question, let's say I get the airdrop. And immediately, I don't even have plans for it yet. I just sell it all to USDC because I don't want the volatility. And then like, I'll use that in the future for operations or whatever. Like, is that a good partner or is that someone who's just like um, scalping you? Well, it's a, it's a worthless governance token. Uh, and I don't know, some of these, some of these airdrops are pretty, pretty substantial. Uh, I'm looking at the list. The, the first initial DAO airdrop was 112 million tokens. Can and, you share it maybe, uh, Sam? Yeah, let me see if I can do this. And for those following at home, the original price was like close to like a dollar fifty-ish. So one hundred million tokens would be like one hundred fifty million dollars. Yeah. So you saw some like smaller. I, I think it was mostly on like the smaller ones. Like if you look down in like the here, some some teams just got like hundred thousand or like a million uh, arb. They were able to drop or dump for like immediately for. Know, one one to a lot of money dollars. a lot of money yeah exactly um, yeah well i mean like look at 
Yeah, that's uh. So if they if they if the initial airdrop was 112 and this is four, I mean that's small. It's like one percent of tokens, but uh, it's it's still relevant, right? I have a question. If we on Leviathan were already a DAO when that happened, <laughs> and we have gotten an uh, Arba location, how, how how should we have used it? <laughs> yeah. Simply, uh, we wouldn't have sold it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't understand. Who knows what kind of discussions this uh, would have uh, raised? 100x long on whatever exchange. I don't even know. Gmax. I'm trying to get out of fiat. I just don't understand these people who are like rushing to get into fiat. But <laughs> what do I know? So I feel like it's like rushing onto the Titanic. <laughs> hey, that ship's never sunk. <laughs> it, it's that's how it's been advertised. I would run a rush on it. No, I don't know. Yeah, that's how they advertise the maiden voyage of the Titanic. It's yeah. unsinkable. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've, I lost the joke on that one. Sorry, Sam. Save us. Uh, so we talked about Atomic Wallet yesterday. It looks like it's North Koreans, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> saved. We're saved. Oh, those North Koreans up to their wacky hijinks. Up to the wacky hijinks. So some of the funds were frozen and potentially will be returned to their users. Uh, the investigation is ongoing, but it looks like from initial reports that it was the Lazarus Group who was able to hack Atomic Wallet. Um, all I can say is that thank God we got rid of BitLazo before this situation came up. Yeah. Thank you. Thank no, you. I don't know. I mean, it like the, uh, we can joke, and like the North Korean thing is like on one hand funny and on the other hand like a reminder of that like we have this like incredibly awful human rights situation that they're like resorting to just like this other like whatever anyway i do think like this we ought to remember that 35 million dollars of money was stolen from people and it could have been like you or me or any one of us and like that's the real story <laughs> yeah well something that we we still have all of our money nobody's been hacked here at leviathan news so maybe one of you will be interested in a forty-two thousand dollar non-tradable physical backed nft from louis vuitton called a treasure trunk uh, well i just like if it's non-tradable like what why are you issuing an nft <laughs> well it's a soul it's not it's not it's not tradable it's a soul bound nft yeah <laughs> yeah um no i don't look i I think the price tag is silly, but it's Louis Vuitton. So like, that's like their whole shtick is they basically get some generic leather, take their like 200 year old stamp and then sell it for 40 X the price. So like, that is what it is. Like we can have problems with consumerism, but otherwise like this is great. Like brands are using the technology and um, this doesn't matter. This isn't going to change anyone's mind. This isn't going to like onboard anyone into crypto, but like, the more like real, like non-vested brands that are like interested in this technology and trying stuff, the better. Like I'm happy with it. I'm not sure it's gonna in the long run. It's it's not gonna have any effect on uh, onboarding. I think that simple folks, on the contrary, if they have like uh, you know like customer clubs in which you hold an NFT oh, yeah. and then you get all kind of benefits. I think uh, normal people will. No, no. For sure. I just meant this Louis Vuitton thing specifically. But in general, like they're creating a blueprint for how brands can like yeah, I agree. deploy this technology. Yet for me, I, I still rather have uh, llamas and blueberries. Uh, <laughs> simpler yeah. for people like us. So the waiting list will open up on June 8th. You'll be able to connect to your crypto wallet and KYC. On June 14th, Louis Vuitton will invite selected people to come to its uh, 
webpage and then they can buy the treasure trunk using either crypto or cash, yeah. I guess. I mean, whatever. Like, again, this is like the type of shit for celebrities who wear ledgers as necklaces. <laughs> well, apparently, apparently these, these trunks are like pretty serious. I'm looking at here. Let me just $42,000. They better be serious. <laughs> yeah. Look at it. I mean, look at their other trunks. I mean, these, these are like pretty dope. I mean, I don't know if I'd spend like, I'm, I'm definitely not rich enough to spend 42,000, but like, look, here's a trunk for $46,000. Yeah, look, let's just be clear about this. Like, people are buying these for these prices, NFT or not. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah exactly. Right, what, what do you even do? I mean, like, are these briefcases a $13,000 briefcase? They're probably like um, luggage, like suitcases, you know, under the plane. Oh, right. Like, okay. To haul around the amount of sale of bills. Yeah, I wouldn't take this. I'm not taking this on coach. I'm not taking this on American. No, Airlines you're taking this on your private jet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's a good way to get it. Like, it's just not going to show up, you know, taking Spirit Airlines. No, no. The type of people <laughs> who have these bags have a plane for their bags. <laughs> have a plane. Oh, yes, exactly. And a butler who carries them in between. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, well. What a world. Yeah. What, what, again, what, like, what, we can make like I am down to rag on Louis Vuitton and like designer brands, but like I am very <clears> supportive <throat> of like the Louis Vuitton company. I forget what whatever the conglomerate is called. Like I'm very supportive of them like experimenting and getting involved and like you know like, this is so much more real than just like hearing that Polygon and Disney signed a deal for whatever billions of dollars and then never seeing anything. Like I don't know, man. Like it's Louis Vuitton and it's so it's dumb, but like I'm happy. No, it's not dumb. It's cool. I I just well, I'm, just, dumb, but. It's just, I'm too I'm too poor to take part yeah, in that. Yeah. So I'm gonna throw some hate out there. <laughs> we can't comprehend uh, these amounts not being spent on crypto. I mean, like some people, fifty k is not that much, but you know, so? for, for others, goodbye. What? Yeah, for others, that's like feeding five generations of your family for <laughs> two months. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, that's a good place probably to wrap up on, uh, on a high note. <laughs> um, so we're well, going to ride the wave. We're going to ride the wave tomorrow and, uh, we will be back with another day of Leviathan news. Oh, man. Bring your suitcases. Us <laughs> and the boys today. Actually, we got a ton of live streams coming up today. Uh, I think we'll no, do these you live. say that studies are in about an hour or even less. Yeah, actually, wait, wait, hold on. We're not committing to live streams today, but there's definitely more content coming. There's today. a lot of content coming. I'm <laughs> telling you what, like just, just this week, we got one, two, three, four, five. We've got five extra recordings that we're doing. So get ready for a bunch of extra content. Uh, we may, we're, we're going to just be pumping it out. So, yeah. All right. Okay. Until the Thanks, squid. The squid. <laughs> Until the squid. Reaches the shore. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye, guys. <laughs>